the Saints could have won the Super Bowl, which we we said that was in the range of outcomes, and they they really could have. Um, they were eleven and five, and that was that one play that cost them from the NFC Championship game. So that was we're pretty good. Just saying, you want to listen to that. All right, let's talk Phillies. Tim Kelly from Phillies Nation, and he will be a 94WIP.com contributor starting Monday, I believe. You have a Cole Hamels article coming, right, Tim? I do, and I'm certainly excited for that and uh, excited to second-guess everyone, myself included, who didn't think it was a great idea to trade for him uh, prior to the July 31st deadline. Well, that's a bad move. Uh, let's talk about – let's start there. Let's say um, – Matt Klintak, how would you grade the job he's done this season and at the deadline? The great Jason Stark goes out of his way prior to every trade deadline to talk about how it's highly appreciated the idea that if you acquire a superstar or just a star at the deadline, it guarantees you anything come postseason. Think back to 2008. The Brewers acquired C.C. Sabathia and the Dodgers acquired Manny Ramirez. Both were otherworldly, but both were defeated in the postseason by the Phillies, who had acquired Joe Blanton and Matt Stairs. Weren't sexy additions, but they both skate off big time come postseason. So while the idea of trading for Manny Machado prior to the deadline was nice, and the Phillies do appear to have made a serious push for him, they were never going to trade Sixto Sanchez for someone they can sign in a few months. So they added Wilson Ramos, who, when he has played, has been very good. They're obviously moving slowly with him as he comes back hamstring injury. It's unfortunate they have to do that, but they have to do that. Uh, but as Drupal Cabrera, while he's produced some big hits, overall has not been productive. Justin Bohr and Aaron Loop are both injured. Roman Quinn, in a way, was kind of like a deadline addition, and he's been excellent. But overall, the deadline additions haven't given the Phillies as much of a spark as they had hoped for. Still, to me, the, the bigger issue remains that players like Odubel Herrera Cesar Hernandez and Reese Hoskins have underperformed for periods of this month. And when you couple that with not really getting the injection of talent you would hope for, at least so far, it, it doesn't uh, create a recipe for success. One and six in their last seven games, um, just from an overall perspective, I, I just talked about how I'm not giving up. They have a, still seven left against the Braves in September. They have uh, six against Miami and the Mets each. So that's 19 games, very winnable games there. So I, I don't think they're out of it. I think there's a lot of baseball to be played. But what's your what's your feeling? It feels like it's slipping away, though. It does feel like it's slipping away. And probably the worst thing that could have happened for how this season is perceived is the Nationals falling off of a cliff. If the Nationals were on pace to win 95 games this year, like many of us had anticipated prior to the season, that would mean the Phillies were only really in the wild card race. And if they were only in the wild card race and then they faded, it would probably be an easier pill for most to swallow. But because they had, and to a degree still have, a chance to win the division, that changed the discussion. Uh, the, the reality is if the Phillies win each four games and miss the playoffs, which is about what I would bet right now, that would still be nearly 20 more games than they won a season ago. But it's understandable given how the season has transpired for it to be tough to get excited about the team's first winning season since 2011 if it doesn't involve playing in the postseason at the end. I've been a big Adubel Herrera supporter, and he's just, his numbers are plummeting. He's struggling. Um, he started hitting a little bit of, of late, but he, he's struggling for the most part post-All-Star break. Um What's your take on Adubel? Will he turn it around? Do you go to Roman Quinn? What's your take on that situation? 
I took a deep look at this for a piece on Phillies Nation this past week. Right now, Roman Quinn is the Phillies' best center fielder, so it makes sense for him to be getting starts there and to be taking away some from Nick Williams in right field as well. But as we know, Quinn's long-term ability to stay healthy is something that you absolutely have to be skeptical of. And as much as you can say, okay, put him in now, he's healthy, you don't know what you're going to have in 2019. And if you trade Odubel Herrera and Roman Quinn's hurt, I'm really not sure where you go in center field. I know the Nationals are playing Bryce Harper in center now, and there's some thought that the Phillies could try to sign him this offseason, but he really doesn't grade out well as a fielder in center. If he's signed, to me it would have to be in a corner outfield spot. Obviously right field is his natural position. So they don't really have a better option to slide into center field long term. And for as low as Odubel Herrera's lows can be, he has the potential to carry a team when he's hot. And he has an all-time team-friendly contract. He's making $3 million this year. He'll make $5 million next year. For that money, you're not going to get a better player. I mean, we're talking about Bryce Harper as a potential option to play in the outfield with him or in place of him. Odubel Herrera is going to be making $5 million next year. Bryce Harper is probably going to be making in excess of $30 million next year. So for that money, you're not going to get anything better. And while the Phillies would certainly listen if a team calls on Herrera this offseason, my guess is he's going to be here in 2019. Talking to Tim Kelly at Tim Kelly Sports, Phillies Nation. Are we worried about Sir Anthony Dominguez yet, or is it just kind of like it, this was bound to happen, water finds its level, or, or what's going on? I don't know if it's water finds its level as much as it is. This is someone, and Matt Gelba, the athletic point of this out in a piece after the game today, not only was Sir Anthony Dominguez at single A at this time last year, he was starting in single A, and it's an entirely different mindset to pitch once every five days as it is to pitch three or four times in a five-day stretch and then have fans where you don't pitch at all in a five-day stretch. So he has a 7-11 ERA in August. I mean, that's obviously not ideal. That doesn't help the team now. But there are points where it becomes clear he needs more seasoning, and that doesn't help you now. But he has the best repertoire of any homegrown reliever the Phillies, I think, have ever had. You can make the case for Ryan Matz and a couple other guys. But you're never sure what you're going to get year-to-year from relievers, but I'm pretty sure Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be in this bullpen for a bulk of the next decade, and he'll probably be better for having gone through this in the thick of a pennant race, even if it isn't panning out how he or the Phillies had hoped in 2018, or at least in the second half of 2018. The NL Cy Young race has become a fun topic on sports radio and on Twitter. Um, to me, like the Cy Young is, is objective, I guess, cause like it's not MVP, it's the Cy Young and Jake DeGrom is as a one seventy RA. So I think he's probably your Cy Young winner. Am I crazy? No, I agree with you. I, I'd vote for Jacob DeGrom to win MVP right now too. And that, that's no diss of Aaron Nolan. <laughs> Jacob DeGrom hasn't missed a start this year. He's made the same amount of starts. He has a one seventy ERA. I don't care if his record's eight and eight. He doesn't, I mean, he does hit, but he's not hmm. being paid to be an offensive player. He's done his job and has gotten no run support. Now, that doesn't speak negatively of Aaron Nolan, Max Scherzer. In many ways, this reminds me of 2011 when you had Clayton Kershaw won the Cy Young. That was his first Cy Young. And then Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee finished uh, second and third. Now, Roy Halladay was the reigning Cy Young Award winner in 2010, but probably had an even better season in 2011. And I think you could make the case 
could have won it over Kershaw. And then Cliff Lee had an 8.9 B-War, which is the highest total a Phillies pitchers had in the last 30 years, I believe. So it might just be one of those years where you say in another year, any one of these three guys could have won the Cy Young. Unfortunately, it's going to come down to a situation where only one of them can, and perhaps a different one of them wins MVP. I mean, I know some people are anti-pitchers winning MVP, but if I had a, a vote, you'd probably have Freddie Freeman, Matt Carpenter, and then those three pitchers would be in the top five of the MVP race in the National League. We're almost through a uh, first full season of Gabe, Gabe Kapler. Um, your thoughts, your opinions, your your score, your grades. How, how are you feeling about Gabe Kapler through almost one full season? So if you remember in high school learning the Pythagorean theorem, which we all thought would never apply to our careers in sports, yeah. a variation of that is made is used now to make an estimate based off of how many runs a team has scored and how many runs they've allowed. It's used to determine about what their record should be. Now, most teams are within two or three games or right at what their numbers suggest they should be. The Phillies are uh, 69 and 64, and it says they should be about 64 and 64. So, or they entered the day 69 and 59, excuse me, and now they're 69 and 60. So perhaps some of this regression was predictable, but One of the reasons a team overachieves or underachieves on their Pythagorean theorem number is because of how a manager performs in-game. And with the exception of the first week of this season and probably Saturday when he probably should have pulled Nick Cavetta a a batter earlier, I would argue Kapler's done a pretty good job. I know some fans get irked by his positivity even after rough losses, but that's genuinely who he is. I don't think it's a show. And players respect coaches that correct issues behind closed doors rather than attempting to do so through through, uh, the media. So there's always been a part of me that has wondered if his style and his demeanor will have a bit of a shelf life. But Carlos Santana has talked about how he likes playing for Kapler. Rob Thompson, the team's bench coach who who had spent the last decade on Joe Girardi's staff in New York, has spoken about how much of a joy working for and with Kapler is. So things can change, and... It doesn't mean in a year we won't be singing a different tune, but I think Gabe Kapler's done a pretty good job in 2018. I'd probably say B or B-plus in that range. Three games back, 33 to play. How are you feeling? I don't think you're feeling too optimistic, but give me some hope, Tim. Something. <laughs> I can give you the hope that I think there's a very strong chance the Phillies have a winning record for the first time since 2011. I don't know if I can give you the hope. We don't care yet. about winning <laughs> records on WIP, Tim. It's his WIP radio. <laughs> World is. Series or bust. It is, and uh, <laughs> I've certainly heard enough callers who would probably be disgusted at the sentiment that I just shared. Right. Look, I was listening just before I came on. You mentioned they have a ton of chances to play division teams and some of the division teams that they're competing with to ultimately win this division. They're not out of the wild card race altogether. So they have that chance. But it's, I think you said, you talked about, could they put together a 14 uh, win stretch in a 19 or 20 game span? They could, but based off of the way they're playing right now, I don't think that that's especially likely. So 12 and seven, gonna, 12 and seven gets them close. It gets them close. I don't know if it gets them in. And, I mean, we'll ultimately see if it gets them in. It depends who that 12-7 and seven comes against. 5-2 and two against, against the Braves. Yeah, they're going ha- to have to dominate the Braves 5-2, and 6-1, and one, something in that range. 
And if they do that, then they're in a very good situation, assuming the Nationals don't storm back in September. I'm just not sure if they have that in them right now. So we might be in a situation where it's disappointing when the season ends, but you look back a month later and say there's a lot to build on in 2018. I know that's not something people want to hear right now, and they, they still have a chance to win the division, so perhaps that happens. But I would say they're going to win about 83 or 84 games right now. All right, race is over. Tim Kelly declares him out. Um, no, thanks a lot, Tim. I appreciate it. Check for his article coming up on Monday on 94WIP.com and give him a follow at Tim Kelly Sports. Thank you, Tim. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. See ya. All right. That was our Phillies segment of the night. If you want to get in and talk Phillies, 888-729-9494. Um,